Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all because the family member is the most emotionally invested and therefore the least objective. This week, we tackle the taboo of discussing your marriage issues with other people. We have research as well as tons of advice from Dr. Karen Sherman. Stay tuned. Doesn't it sound nice to come home after a long day at work and to see your spouse sitting at the table with a bottle of beautiful red cracked open waiting for you? We think so too, which is why we have the Hitched Wine Club. Visit hitchedmag.com, click the Wine Club link, and join today. It's super easy, takes just a couple clicks, Each shipment comes with exclusive date ideas to help you and your spouse reconnect, and every bottle is guaranteed. Again, go to hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link to learn more. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined with the, by the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi Karen. Hi Steve. So uh, we have talked a lot about um, marriage as being a tough topic uh, to openly discuss and how it's still very taboo. Um, and... I guess I just wanted to address the issue head on this week about how how you can approach others when you're having trouble in your marriage. Um, because we talk about, oh, it's a taboo thing, but then we never really dig into it. Or at least I don't think we've dug into it um, adequately about, well, how do you go about that and how can we actually change it? Um, before we do that, though, I do want to introduce you. <laughs> uh, so Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is an author of several books, including Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Uh, and Karen has her own radio show called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship uh, on the Sex Talk Radio Network. And you can get all this information on Karen's website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, as well as on our website, hitchedmag.com. So with that being said, Karen, um, my first question for you about this whole marriage being a taboo thing to bring up to other people, uh, we talk about this, um, and there are many reasons that people don't talk about their marriage struggles, uh, particularly to other people. Do you think people are more open now than they once were? Like, is this becoming less taboo of a thing to do? Not necessarily. And I think part of the reason, and you may think that this is like an odd thing for me to say, I think a lot of times people don't even realize that they're having marital problems Mm. initially. You know, um, when I'm working with couples and they finally, you know, get into my office and we talk about, well, how long has it been going on? A lot of times one of them will say, you know, yeah, you know, I knew that we weren't spending as much time together as I would have liked or, you know, we weren't communicating as much. But I sort of figured that 
you know, that was kind of normal. After all, you know, we were busy. We have, you know, a couple of kids, you know, things like that. And I just figured that that was the way marriage goes. So a lot of times people aren't going to talk about a problem when they don't realize a problem exists. So is, I mean, to that point though, isn't it not a problem when those things happen or is it just making a wrong assessment that, well, yes, ebbs and flows do happen, but this one may have been different and you just didn't recognize it. Oh, I think it's a problem when there's a, when you don't recognize that there's something wrong. And I think what happens is that we just sort of get, you know, caught up in the day to day. Don't check in with each other. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, touch base with each other. Um, and it's especially problematic if one person is feeling uh, like something is wrong and either is not expressing that to the partner or expressing it in a way that they're not being heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that becomes really difficult because then it starts to build up and it goes on and on and on. Um, and then boom, you know, it's like, well, I've been feeling this way for six months, a year, two years. And, you know, then it's really a big problem. So I think that's the first problem. Okay. I think the other thing is that, you know, you might recognize that you have a problem, but you don't want to talk about it because it's embarrassing. You know, you mm-hmm. feel like I must be doing something wrong. Um, you know, I'm a failure. Um you know, we look at other people and people are very good for the most part on putting up a, a persona or, you know, um, making things look good to the outside world. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to get shot probably by a lot of people, but uh, <laughs> if you look at Facebook, uh-huh. I think Facebook is, is not authentic. People are putting up there for the most part what they want other people to believe about them. They're not telling them their heartaches, their problems, etc. So in the same way, when we go out, you know, we make it look like everything is okay. We don't go out for a nice event with another couple and spend the whole night bitching about how unhappy we are. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's why the expression, you know, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Uh, So, you know, we look at everybody else because of social comparison and we say, well, everybody else seems to be so happy. There's something wrong with us. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to admit that there's something wrong with our marriage. You know, to that point too, um, I mean, I do 100% agree with your assessment, uh, particularly of social media and people, people's embarrassment about bringing it up because they think like there's there's something wrong with us because Mm -hmm. we're clearly not as happy as everybody else i think another potential to this whole thing would be you recognize it and it might not be that you're embarrassed by it but you know that it's going to take a lot of effort and it's going to be hard to work through things and you and it's not going to be fun like that's another thing like you just you know you just know that it's uh, like, do we, like, I mean, I know my wife and I have had this issue with money, talking about money, right? So mm-hmm. we just, it's just not fun. Like, we don't want to talk about it. We don't, like, putting together a budget sucks. It, we don't want to do mm-hmm. it. Neither of us want to talk about it. Um, and we eventually came to a, a, a solution for ourselves about how we go about it. And it was literally, like, 
Let's get out of the house. Let's go to a local diner. Let's sit down at the table. We'll crack open the books and we'll have a nice breakfast and, and talk about it and figure it all out. And we had to like dress it up around us so we would actually tackle it because otherwise we didn't want to do it yeah. even though we knew yeah. it was a necessity. And I think that's kind of I, – I mean I just do think that I is think- a problem with people that they don't want to address issues because they know, okay – I mean, it's like going to the gym, right? Like, yes, I know I need to lose weight. Yes, I know I'm out of shape. Uh, Going to the gym is so damn hard every day. Like, you just got to do it, though. Right. I I would agree with you. I mean, who wants to, you know, look at something? Maybe if we just ignore it, it will go away, which, of course, is ridiculous. But that doesn't mean we can't hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes some issues are small enough that you just forget it. Like, I don't even remember why we were upset with each other, Mm -hmm. but with deeper underlying issues of general relationship dissatisfaction, that stuff, as you were mentioning, cannot be ignored. Right. So we're certainly, if we're not going to look at it ourselves, we're certainly not going to bring it up to other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I do love your point about social media and the, the, the falsehood of what gets shared and posted and and you're right and i think we've always done this by the way um social media just makes it uh a daily reminder of how great other people's lives are mm-hmm. but you've no, never no, how great it appears it appears yes do. thank you but you know you've never gone to somebody's house and cracked open their um you know their photo book of their scrapbook of all these great photos and seen the fights in between Right. Correct. Like you've never, Correct. I mean, every once in a while, there's a funny picture of a kid crying at a birthday party. Uh, and, you know, I, but, but for the most part, it's not, uh, and here's the tantrum yesterday, and here's the tantrum the right. day before, and here's the poopy diapers I had to deal with, and here's the, you know, it, people have never put that stuff forward. Um, and so, but social media and the internet in general and so many ways in life has just expedited and ramped up and just injected it with steroids to this like nth degree to where it's just a constant bombardment of this information. And so we start to believe it to be real. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add to this or should I no. move on to my next no. question? Okay. Yep. So my next question, point question for you is um so i before we got on i was reading a new study out by the national divorce decision making project um and i won't get into the details about that uh but one of the things that i found interesting about it was that they mentioned two-thirds of people uh considering a divorce had not spoken to (laughs) anyone about it Mm -hmm. does this surprise you Well, yes and no. Um, A lot of times, again, first of all, when when people are unhappy many times, they rewrite history. So maybe you were, you know, things have gotten really unpleasant the last six months. But through that lens, all of a sudden, it's, you know, I really haven't been unhappy. I haven't been happy really for the last year or so. Mm -hmm. And so they get to the point where they can't tolerate it because people generally don't like feeling yucky. And as you had pointed out a few moments ago, nobody really wants to work on anything or, you know, go through the process of trying to straighten things out. And so um, it's like, well, I just got to start over. You know, let's just do a clean break, start over. And so they come to this decision and there's not necessarily where they really 
so you know thought it out as to what the ramifications are they just want out and so they may not have really spoken to anybody about it it's just get me the hell out of here you know mm-hmm. give me some relief um i didn't i'm a little surprised that it's that high that that number is that high but i i do understand how people can um you know get to that point where they just sort of unilaterally decide you know this is the this is the step i have to take or this is the step yeah. we have to take now uh you mentioned you know just hitting the reset button and for you know these people who go through this process it is to just cut off ties with their existing relationship is it possible to just hit the reset button like look we have so much crap in our history that you know and you do this with projects and stuff all the time where it's just like you know what just give me the clean sheet of paper because redoing an edit on this 5000 word story is going to be too much work it's better it's easier just to write from scratch something brand new can you do that within an existing relationship like that i don't believe so because um generally if you're ha- generally there are mm-hmm. going to be exceptions but generally if you're having problems in your relationship it is due to a lot of factors that each person has brought to the relationship and you're likely to bring those same dynamics or those same styles of behaving or reacting to your next relationship so you know what so- i tell people when they come to me is i'm not going to guarantee them that after we do the marriage therapy, they're going to stay together. It would be silly for me to guarantee that. I'm going to tell them that we're going to work really, really hard mm-hmm. toward that goal. But um, they still, there is still the possibility that they won't end up together, but at least they know that they will have tried and that mm-hmm. they will have learned tools. Um, because, and- yeah. I was yeah. just going to say, so even if even if you were able to hit that reset button in your own marriage, the fact that you didn't address the issues that got you to that point Correct. just almost inevitably means that you're going to get to that troubled spot again in yes. the future. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's why most second marriages end up in divorce as well. Second marriages end up have a higher rate of divorce yes. than first marriages do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the, and, and, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but essentially like the subsequent marriage has a worse divorce rate than the one prior to it. Yes. So third mm-hmm. has a worse divorce rate yes. than the second. Yeah. And, and to your point, to drive home this point, it's because the common denominator is this in this it's, whole thing is the person. Is the person. Yeah. Like you haven't dealt with your shit to right. be blunt about it. Um, yeah. And it's just going to follow you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's like somebody who's so unhappy, you know, w- in their life. And so they decide to move. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still with you. So the problems aren't going to go away just because you move from place to place. Yeah. You're the common denominator. And so unless you look at yourself and look at what you're doing, then you're going to have those same issues wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in this study... Uh, they broke out people uh, who they spoke to uh, when they were considering divorce mm-hmm. for those who actually did talk to people. And so they mentioned the the, the couple f- categories that they spoke to were uh, a divorce attorney or a mediator, mm-hmm. a religious leader, a marriage counselor, or a, a friend slash coworker, or a family member. The and And they also then asked them 
um, who was most helpful for you when having these conversations? The family member ranked as the least helpful person when these Mm -hmm. people opened up. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Because the family member is the most emotionally invested and therefore the least objective. Mm. Okay. So they're, you know, they're not going to be able to really look at the situation objectively. Their, their own emotions are going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Is this kind of like one of those things where this is why people will open up to total strangers because they can get that objective view without the, the, the knowledge and emotional investment of outs of people closer to them? Well, I have two answers. Okay. You know, when, one of the reasons it's good to go to a religious leader or a marital therapist is again, because they're outsiders, they're knowledgeable, they've taken, you know, they have training in the field and their own emotions are not getting in the way. But when you said it, what it triggered for me is, you know, when you are waiting for a plane and you're talking to a stranger, Uh that to me is a different dynamic. You know, it's easy to talk to a stranger because you'll never see that stranger again. Mm. And so there's a safety there. Yeah. Um, you don't have to care about, you know, what you're revealing to them. Uh huh. Okay. I don't know if that was what you were asking. No, no, that absolutely. Mind, yeah, so. you're right. It's 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 an a it's an ephemeral message where you can just say whatever you want, and you know, right. it's not going to follow you around, and you're right. not going to have to follow up with that person. But it is cathartic in being able to get something off your chest mm-hmm. or say something yeah. mm-hmm. um, without being judged about that. Mm-hmm. Or even if you are judged, you don't care because to right, your point, you're right. not going to see him again. Um, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I, I assumed family members would be the most emotionally invested and therefore have the most um, baggage that they would bring into this quote-unquote yes. helpful conversation you're trying to have with them. Yes. Um, and it's funny because you're right. It really is when they ranked uh, the who was helpful – it was almost the closer the relationship, the less helpful people yes. found it. Mm-hmm. Um, friends and coworkers were that, second least yes, helpful. I was, was going to say friends would be next. Yep, yep. Friends and coworkers were the second least helpful. Now, all of this being said, um, it was found though that everybody who did talk to somebody, I say everybody, the majority of them, so over sixty mm-hmm. percent of those who actually spoke with somebody, found their conversation helpful and that was with family members over 60 percent of the people who spoke to family members found those conversations helpful mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. the and the less uh close you were to that person you know it started getting up into the 80 and 90 percent range mm-hmm. of being helpful so you know um to your profession marriage counselor and things those people were like in the 80 percentile of being helpful for these people um, so I don't want to discourage people from having these conversations with people close to you mm-hmm. um, because that is still helpful for the majority of people who actually did it. Um, well, and, and let me let me say that part of the reason that it's helpful is because at least you're sharing it. You don't have to hold it in. You're getting um, somebody, family members who do care about you, hopefully. Um, and, you know, so we can talk a little bit more about, you know, how much you disclose or what kind of boundaries you want to set with your family and things like that. But feeling like you can share something that is difficult and having support 
is extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why, even though they may not be objective, depending on how nosy or how inappropriate they are, because those people you wouldn't want to share with, um, it would be helpful to yeah. talk to family members. Well, and bringing this back to what you had originally said, I think probably one of the biggest benefits to talking to a family member or anybody at all is the acknowledgement that there's a problem in the first place. Yes. Yes. So, um, okay. So with this being said, all of that, um, my question for you now is when, um, when is the right time? How do you know the timing on this? So you're having a rough patch, you know, it's, you, you, have thought about it a little bit, you're not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. How long does this go on before you open up to somebody or, you know, how do you figure out the timing on this whole thing? That's a hard one, Steve, because, you know, as, as we said a little bit earlier, there couples go through rough patches and you don't have to get nervous every time there's a rough patch. I was working with a couple last night who a month ago came in and said they were so connected. They felt so close to each other. Everything was so good. And then last night they came in, and they said, we're not feeling so connected. And I normalized it for them. And I said, you know, in any relationship, you're going to have highs and lows. So don't get so nervous if you hit a, a patch where you're feeling a little disconnected. And then we talked about what you do to, you know, to recreate the, the connection. So if you're hitting a low, that doesn't mean you should hit the panic button and say, oh my God, oh my God, we're in trouble. You know, we, we need to go get the help. I would say that if you attempt to talk to each other, which of course is the the first um, line of, of um, attention you should be giving it, and you don't seem to be getting anywhere, that would be probably the time where you might talk to somebody else and say, you know, we seem to be having this issue. Yes, we've spoken to each other, um, but it seems as if my partner is shut down or it seems as if, you know, we're not getting anywhere, you know, that kind of thing. I can't give you the exact timing, mm -hmm. but it's if you have tried attending to it and it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere, that would be when you would, you know, reach out a little bit. So rather than a linear set of time, like, you know, give it a week or something, you're talking more about a process of time. Yes. So you've given it a crack. You're not getting anywhere now you lean on somebody who might be able to offer some advice or assistance. Correct. Okay. Correct. Because, you know, it's very possible that um, you're, you're doing it a certain way and the other person could offer you a different way to do it. Mm -hmm. And that could be, the, you know, the thing that's exactly what's needed, you know, an approach that's different. Yeah. One of the, one of the, things I bring up constantly about the taboo of talking about your marriage versus other aspects of your relationship is when people uh, ha seem to at least have not much of a problem discussing parenting and mm -hmm. it's just kind of accepted like well how would mm -hmm. I why would mm -hmm. I possibly know how to raise this two-year-old human right. being uh, when I've never done it before and then they will you know try to do something and have trouble and then they will discuss it with their other parenting friends who have gone through this and say mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, like this worked for me or, you know, my first kid was easy. My second kid was a pain. Like, mm -hmm. and this is what we did. Um, and I think the same thing can apply in marriage where you make your attempts 
uh, it doesn't work out. You find somebody who you may or may not know that they've gone through something similar and say like what worked for you. Um, so, but again, you have to have that knowledge of, well, they went through this same, same type of thing, which is part of the problem. Well, I think, you know, as you're talking about it, here's what occurred to me. If we still have the fantasy that if you love somebody, you know, that should, that's what makes a relationship go easily or, you know, flow. Mm -hmm. And so I love you and you love me and yet it's not flowing. Yeah. So something must be wrong. Um, and you two look like you love each other. So obviously you're not going to have these problems. Um, you know, there's not, you know, we know that with children, it's, it's a challenge and that knowing how to raise children effectively is challenging. But if you love somebody, that's supposed to be the, the you know, the magic bullet. So mm -hmm. why should it be a challenge? And what we don't realize is love is not enough to make a relationship go smoothly. It's only one factor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I have my big question for you. Okay. How do you go about this? How do you make yourself vulnerable to someone else about your most intimate relationship? You make sure that you choose the person or persons mm -hmm. that you feel safest with. So okay. this goes back to when I was talking about, let's say, your family. I mean, many people, which is lovely, feel closest to their family. But you've got to know who you're dealing with. It was interesting. I was speaking to a client this morning who last week was in a very vulnerable situation. And her immediate instinctual feeling was to call her parents. And then as she thought about it, she realized that they were not going to be able to really provide the kind of support she wanted because of who they were. Mm -hmm. And so she nixed that idea and called a friend. And that was a smart choice on her part. So you've got to know who the people in your life are and are they the ones who are going to be able to respect, first of all, you know, um, not be judgmental, mm -hmm. be able to listen to you, uh, be able to, um, you know, truly hear you out. Um, and, and that's who you want to open up to. But if you're going to have somebody respond to you by, um, I, I knew he was a brute. What did you ever marry him for? Um, get rid of him. You know, if they're going to have lots of judgment, if they're going to um, overstep their boundaries, like, you know, you say, I just want to vent. And they start asking lots of questions or telling you what to do or, you know, um, start calling you every day. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? That's not the right person to talk to. So it's got to be somebody that you feel safe with, mm -hmm. that you can entrust your emotions to, and that you can even say, this is what I need from you. You know, can you, can you help me with this? So picking this person or persons doesn't necessarily mean it's your best friend. That's correct. It's the person that you believe would be most appropriate in this situation. Yes. Now, a lot of times, too, people will have, um, 
you know, a friend will talk to a friend, let's say, mm-hmm. but their friend has a spouse who can offer a different perspective from their friend alone. Mm-hmm. Um, is that part of an equation where it's like, well, you know, I'd prefer to talk to both of you as opposed to just one of you kind of a thing? There's no rules on this. This is yeah. whatever works for you. Okay. So you can, okay, so let's say it is, I'll, it's just easier. Let's sure. say it's me and mm-hmm. I want to talk to my friend. Okay. I can say, I, I really feel so upset about this that I have to ask you that this stay just between you and me. I don't even want you telling your husband. Is that something that you're comfortable doing? And if the person says to me, well, you know, Joe and I don't really have any secrets, then I'm going to say, then I'm not going to put you in this position. Yeah. And don't talk to that person if it's really important to you that it's not. On the other hand, if I say, you know, I I would like to get your perspective and to be quite honest, I even need a male perspective. Do you think Joe would be willing to talk to me as well? Mm -hmm. So again, it's got to be you knowing what you need, what will make you feel comfortable, and let's say you ended up picking the wrong person yeah. and you start to speak to that person and that person ends up not giving you what you need. Uh-huh. You know, there's nothing that says just because you spoke to that person once, you have to keep talking to that person. Yeah. Okay. And and you could just say, you know, that was helpful. I mean, it didn't wasn't the help you needed, but at least you <laughs> figured right. out that they weren't going to provide what you right. needed. So technically exactly. it was helpful. You know, thank you. That was really helpful. And then move on to somebody else. Correct. Um, now, uh, limit what you tell them. Yeah. You know, so that now maybe you just give them bullet points or, you know, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm managing, I'm handling this on my own. So, you know, you don't insult the friendship, you know, you have different friends for different purposes. Sure. So, um, you might pick and choose what you say to, you know, which friend or whatever. But again, I think the most important thing is you're going through a rough time. You want to open up and decide how much you're opening up with the people who are going to best respond in the way that will be most comforting for you. Okay. And you mentioned earlier about um, how, you know, how much information you divulge and, and things of that nature is, I mean, again, I, I totally understand there are no rules for this and we're talking in big generalities and we don't know what the topic might be. Um, But is there like a set of guidelines that you would offer of, you know, start off slowly. Don't just say like, I, you know, don't drop the ball, like kind of bury the lead essentially is what I'm getting at. You don't tell them everything right up front, but maybe you kind of start leaning into it. Like we're having some issues. Um, and I think then it's kind probably of play the safe ear. way to go. I, unless you know, like my best friend, may she rest in peace. There wasn't anything I couldn't tell her. I mean, I just knew across the board that she was non-judgmental. I mean, we we used to laugh. We, I, you know, at the end of the conversation, I'd say, "So, do you, do you have, uh, you know, belly button lint today?" Or, yeah, and that was a joke. That was our way of saying to each other, "You know, there's nothing you can't tell me." Yeah, yeah. So I knew that I could have told her anything, and it and it would have been fine. Um, but if you're not sure, if you don't have, the, you know, that kind of person in your life, then sure, you know, tell a little bit, test the water, see how they do, and then reveal a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think one of the things about this whole, we're talking about this as if this is the first time you're approaching somebody ever. 
really. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how we're taking it. But to your point, you have a friend, had a friend who do you told, there were no secrets. Right. Um, and it became easier for you to discuss things with them. And you felt like you had somebody you could talk to all the time about anything. Right. I think that's really powerful. And I mean, I think I've had situations in my life where I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm friendly or I like this thing or whatever, but then I personally get involved and now I'm invested and Mm -hmm. I'm invested in the success of that other person um, because they have involved me in it. And so I think when you get somebody and, and confide in them, they want your best interest at stake uh, um, going forward in the future. And so it they'll be even possibly more willing to help you in the future because they've already invested time and effort and energy mm-hmm. to yeah. get you to that point. I would think so. I yeah. would think so. I would think that would be the way it would work with most people. Um, my last question for you about this is – Again, marriage is a ongoing endeavor. Um, do you think it would be easier for somebody to talk to somebody else um, if they have, say, 15 years or 20 years behind them in their relationship versus somebody who's new- newlyweds? Because, again, like being a parent, you know, when you have a kid and they're a baby and they're new and it's like, oh, getting advice, blah, blah, blah you know, of course, you know, you're new to this thing. Why would you know how to do it? And, you know, 20 years down the road, it's like, well, uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, we shouldn't be having these problems anymore. Or is it just the opposite of, you know, 20 years down the road, like clearly we're not going to get divorced or whatever. Um, You know, we are like, people see us as a unit. Like they're not going to judge us as in, oh, this marriage isn't going to work. Like they might, if it's two years in or one year in or six months in, you know, it's 20 years and it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's them, you know, they're, of course, I, they're going to work through it. I think that probably in any situation, um, somebody who is experienced can bring a different perspective. Um, you know, let's talk about doctors. Okay. You know, some of the nice parts about a newer doctor is that they can bring some of the newer technology or the newer um types of treatments to somebody. So that's great. And I think, you know, analogously, if you talk to a friend who uh, is married the same amount of time as you, or just a little bit more, there will be certain things that you can relate to that, you know, an old codger might not be able to relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, um, you know, um, the use of technology or, you know, how much they're um, on the internet or stuff like that. However, again, I think that when one is experienced, they have the ability to have the perspective of, yeah, you know, the first year is tough. Um, And, you know, uh, when you have children initially, it does take away. And this is, you know, these are the kinds of things I've lived through. um, And, you know, these are the kinds of things that we try to whatever. And I I think that's true probably uh, whether you're talking about somebody who's a plumber or somebody who's in a profession or somebody who has been in marriage for a long time. Mm -hmm. So closing out, um, 
and we talk about this all the time about how things are easier when things are going good to discuss them at that point, as opposed to when you're actually having troubles. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be beneficial for people to kind of seek out um, their confidants now when they're doing okay? So when they need to have a more serious conversation, that person is there for them? I think that you have your confidants in general, you know, there, you know, there are people that you can trust and you feel comfortable with. So I don't think you have to seek them out. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think you have to go on a search and, and, you know, when people are happy that they're, they're not looking for, (laughs) you know, when, if I get in trouble, who's going to be there for me. But I think that when you start to get into trouble, you know who, who the people are that you can go to pretty much. Mm -hmm. Okay. Excellent. Did you have any other uh, things you wanted to add to this topic today? The only thing I'm going to say is that if people are noticing that they're having difficulty, I would really encourage them that they try to get help sooner than later. You know, the longer you wait, the more there is to untangle. Uh, It's almost like going to the doctor when you've got stage one of cancer, then stage three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Um, you know, it just makes it, makes it easier to work on before there's piles and piles of you did this and you did that. And, you know, all these different experiences that have built up. Um, and I know that nobody really likes to look at the negativity, uh, but it gets, gets resolved a lot faster if, if you attend to it sooner. Yeah. And, and as was, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, from the study, just talking to anybody is better than not. Most people found it helpful. And I like to think of this as a pressure cooker a little bit, where if you let off just a little steam every mm-hmm. once in a while, constantly, when it comes up, you will prevent it from exploding from from the pressure building up to where it just can't be contained any longer. Yeah. Oh, I do have one more thing I want to say. Oh, yeah. If you're feeling really negative and thinking about divorce, it's probably not going to help your marriage to talk with people who are in the same situation because we know from studies Mm. that misery loves company, number one, and number two, you are more likely to go down that road if you are talking to people who are going down that road. So try to speak to people who have had difficulties and survived it. Uh, or again, to try to get some help for yourself. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's a that's an excellent point. So yes, find those marriage positive people around you. Yeah. Um, all right, this was excellent, Karen. I know this was a little bit long for us, uh, but I think we knocked out some really good info today. So thank you so much for your time and expertise. My pleasure, Steve. Uh, I want to remind everyone, you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Karen has her own show on the Sex Talk Radio Network called Take 5 to Empower Your Relationship, and that is out every Wednesday as well. Uh, You can get this information at her website, Dr. Karen sherman.com we have a link to her stuff on our website hitchedmag.com if you have any thoughts ideas tips info etc etc hit us up you can email us uh, on our website there's a giant email button on our podcast page 
Uh, we can be reached through our social networking platforms that we participate in, uh, including Facebook, um, all of them, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. Those are probably the two we're most active on. Uh, Pinterest, although it's not very good for messaging, but we are there. Instagram, same thing. Um, so yeah, if you have thoughts, ideas, let us know. I actually um, just shared some information who sent us a private message on Facebook. So uh, we do respond to these things. So um, if you have any thoughts and ideas, let us know. And of course, you can leave comments about the podcast itself on the uh, on the places where you subscribe to the podcast. So iTunes or Stitcher, leave a, leave a review or star rating or whatever. And that kind of gives us an idea of how we're doing, where we're heading. So uh, I want to thank uh, all the people who have done that already and uh, thank those who plan on doing it. So uh, that will do it for us this week. So one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care, everybody. We can be anybody. The world is ours tonight. The world is ours tonight.